Hi, thanks for listening to Top Audiobooks. Remember to follow our channel here on the platform, and also our social media. We prepare a graphic of the book, with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now, and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps, so you know everything about the book in minutes. You're listening to the book summary presentation of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck, a counterintuitive approach to living a good life by Mark Manson, narrated by Larry G. Jones. Today, people enjoy more material wealth and comforts, yet tend to feel more impoverished emotionally and psychologically. This book offers insights and tips to help us cope with our pain, failures, and regrets, so we can live life fully and enjoy genuine happiness. Introduction Today, we're constantly bombarded by messages about becoming happier, healthier, smarter, and richer. We buy more things and experiences, hoping to improve our image, happiness level, and satisfaction. Yet, in the pursuit of more, we end up losing sight of what we already have and reinforce our sense of lack and insecurity. The key to happiness and fulfillment is to stop giving a fuck about everything we're told to care about. Instead, get clear on what truly matters. Focus your choices on those few priorities and accept that in spite of that, you'll still make stupid mistakes and suffer occasionally. In this summary, we'll present the key ideas in two parts. Debunking modern myths on success and happiness and... Embracing the five counterintuitive values for a good life. Let's begin. Part 1. Debunking the Myths Why do people feel unhappy and depressed despite having more choices and material success? Well, the truth is, the more you chase after the positives, the more negative you feel. Those who desperately want to be rich, worthy, or happy tend to feel poorer, more unworthy, or unhappy no matter how much they already have in life. On the other hand, the more you accept the negatives in your life, the more positive you feel. Embracing your failures makes you wiser. Accepting your flaws makes you more authentic. And facing your fears gives you more confidence. We're also surrounded by messages about why we should overcome our negative feelings and feel good about ourselves. So much that we tend to feel bad for feeling bad. Manson calls this the feedback loop from hell. Imagine you're upset about a mistake you made. You become angry with yourself for dwelling on your mistake, since you know you should be positive, and now you're angry about feeling angry. It doesn't help that everywhere you turn, you see pictures of people who have rebounded from failures and are now living happy, perfect lives. So now you feel doubly bad for feeling bad and the negative loop continues. The way to stop this feedback loop is to stop giving a fuck about everything. Yes, stop trying too hard and stop trying to be perfect. Realize that shortcomings and bad feelings are perfectly normal and stop fretting over them. However, this doesn't mean that you should become indifferent to everything. There are three nuances to not giving a fuck. First, 
don't give a fuck about conventional norms and others' opinions. Dare to be different, be it making that scary career switch which everyone advises against, or leaving that abusive spouse. Second, don't give a fuck about pain or adversity. You can't expect to make real breakthroughs while avoiding challenges and failures. Figure out what's truly important, what's worthy of your time and energy, and give a fuck about that above all else, including your pain and fears. Third, you have to give a fuck about something, so choose your priorities carefully. People who claim they don't care about anything are actually hiding behind a mask of indifference to avoid making tough choices. Don't waste time and energy on things that don't matter, such as the rude waiter, your colleague getting promoted over you, or missing a great bargain. Decide what you do care about. Go all out for it, and be prepared to put aside everything else, including others' opinions and the risk of failure. The next myth to debunk is this. Pain isn't something bad to be avoided. It's part of our biological feedback system to tell us something needs our attention. It's a tool to spur us into action. Physical pain warns us of possible danger, like a hot stove or a sharp knife, while psychological pain tells us that something is out of balance. Pain and suffering are inevitable, and trying to avoid it will only bring more pain. Our emotions are also biological signals to tell us what's working or not working. However, emotions are not always accurate, and they don't last. Hence, don't suppress your emotions, over-identify with them, nor make decisions based on emotions alone. All of us want positive feelings and outcomes, but we don't stop to consider the pain and struggles needed to achieve those outcomes. Rather than focusing only on the outcomes you'd enjoy, ask yourself, what pain and struggles might you enjoy and sustain? For example, will you enjoy the pain of training for a triathlon or the uncertainties of entrepreneurship? By identifying what you're willing to endure, you can fall in love not just with the reward, but also the process. In fact, happiness comes from solving meaningful problems, not from being problem-free. Unfortunately, too many people deny their problems or try to distract themselves with temporary highs like alcohol or adventures. The longer they avoid their problems, the more painful it'll be when they eventually face them. Another idea that we hear a lot is this. You're special and destined for greatness. Manson says that's bullshit. Most of us are average. Even if we excel in one area, we're usually pretty average or below average in other areas. Unfortunately, we are surrounded by extreme stories about the biggest, fastest, richest people or events. These stories also create the dangerous impression that such extremities are the norm and being average is a sign of failure. When people have unrealistic expectations of what's normal, they have one of two reactions. They may feel inadequate and try to overcompensate through get-rich-quick schemes or take extreme radical positions. Or they may develop an inflated sense of ego and a false sense of entitlement. In reality, people who achieve extraordinary results don't start by feeling entitled or special. 
They accept that their average and the bulk of the work they will do will be mundane and inconsequential. They focus on improving themselves day after day rather than pretending to be the next big thing. In the process, they learn to appreciate the small pleasures of learning, solving problems, helping others, and connecting with friends and loved ones. Likewise, your challenges are not unique. Everyone goes through trauma in life, be it parental divorce, a bad accident, or a major betrayal. Having challenges doesn't make you privileged or entitled in any way. There are always others who face similar, if not worse, challenges than you and have taken steps to deal with them. Earlier, we've established that pain and suffering are inevitable. The question we should be asking ourselves isn't how to end our suffering, but for what purpose we're suffering. Throughout history, humans have willingly suffered for causes they believe in, be it voyaging to discover distant lands or waging war for the glory of an empire. What are you willing to suffer for? To answer this question, you must gain self-awareness in three layers. First, understand what emotion you're feeling. For example, are you angry, sad, or happy? Second, understand why you're feeling that way. Third, understand the personal values behind how you see the world. Your values affect what you define as success or failure, how you judge yourself and others, and what you do or don't do. This is the most important but difficult layer to peel open as it requires you to be honest with yourself. Most self-help tips focus on the first two levels of awareness. However, fundamental change occurs at the third level. When you change your values, you change how you view success and failure in life. Most of us instinctively use money and status to measure ourselves against others, but these are not the only yardsticks available. The next time you feel troubled, examine the underlying reasons and values behind your feelings and consider if you could re-evaluate the situation using better values or metrics. Manson says that good values should meet three criteria. They should be fact-based, socially constructive, and controllable. Good values, like honesty, curiosity, and humility, are intrinsic in nature. Since you can always choose your attitude or perspective, you'll have full control over such healthy values. Bad, unhealthy values, like pleasure or being right, are extrinsic and thus not fully within your control. Material success may improve happiness only insofar as it helps you to meet your basic needs like food and shelter, but has little impact beyond that. Even being overly positive can be unhealthy, as the only way to address your problems is to acknowledge the negatives. We've just explained why you should stop trying, embrace your pain and problems, and find struggles that you'd actually enjoy. In short, Self-improvement is really about identifying better values, prioritizing them, and learning not to give a fuck about other things. We'll now move on to part two to look at five unconventional values that you should embrace to truly improve your life. First, take radical responsibility. 
When you blame others for your problems or tell yourself you were forced into a situation, you'd feel victimized, miserable, and stop considering how you may have contributed to the situation in the first place. On the other hand, when you take responsibility for your problems, you'll actively look for solutions and in the process gain power over your problems and feel energized by it. Let's imagine that your business partner has just cheated you out of $1 million. You can choose to feel helpless and depressed or feel motivated to turn things around. You can blame everything on your partner and bad luck or you can acknowledge that you failed to identify the telltale signs and do your due diligence. The point is, you're always responsible for your outcomes, whether you acknowledge it or not. Hi, thanks for listening to Top Audiobooks. Remember to follow our channel here on the platform, and also our social media. We prepare a graphic of the book, with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now, and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps, so you know everything about the book in minutes. What if you were born with major deficiencies or suffered a major tragedy like the loss of someone you love? Even though you can't control what happens around you, you can always control how to interpret events and how you respond to them. Even saying, I have no choice, or there's nothing I can do, is in itself a choice. No matter how severe your setback, there's always someone else who have been dealt a worse hand and made something out of his or her circumstances. We love to take credit for success, yet we avoid responsibility for problems because we wrongly associate responsibility with fault. Taking responsibility for a problem will not put you at fault. For example, a judge is responsible for judging a murder case, even though he's not at fault for the murder. The next time you find yourself feeling offended, victimized, or self-righteous, stop to consider if the issue really matters. If not, choose to let it go and focus on something more meaningful. Second, Embrace uncertainty. Much of what we consider to be universal truths could actually be wrong. Mankind once believed that diseases could be cured by draining bad blood and that the sun revolved around the earth. At some point, all of us were absolutely certain about something that turned out to be totally wrong. Success and learning actually fall on a spectrum. You don't move from failure to success or from wrong to right. You move from less successful to more successful, from wrong to less wrong. There's also no right ideology or viewpoint. Based on our subjective interpretation of our own limited experiences, we form our views on the meaning of life and the best way to live. However, since all of us have different experiences, we'll also have different perspectives about life. The only way to grow is to realize that your values and beliefs aren't absolute. They can always change or be proven wrong. Don't insist on being right or cling on to beliefs like, I'm not smart enough or no one will like me. Treat them as assumptions to be tested.
beware of what you think, since research shows that the human brain is highly prone to biases and mistakes. Our brain constantly creates associations between cues and experiences to help us understand the world around us. However, it may misinterpret cues or see imaginary patterns that don't exist. Once we form a conclusion or bias, we tend to subconsciously dismiss cues that are inconsistent with our beliefs or recall only details that support our biases. Our brains also don't remember things perfectly. Each time we recall something, we tend to fill in the gaps with our own imagination. Over time, our memories can become distorted, and we may even invent memories of events that never happened. Being absolutely certain about something not only blinds us to alternative truths, but can create a dangerous sense of entitlement. When things don't turn out as we expected, we may start to justify that it's okay to cheat, take what's rightly ours, or dish out punishment that others deserve. On the other hand, when we embrace uncertainty, we feel more comfortable about our ignorance and no longer feel the need to judge others and ourselves harshly. So, the first step to learning and solving problems is to accept that your current priorities, values, beliefs, and actions may be wrong. Only then can you consider potentially better alternatives. A related concept, Manson's Law of Avoidance, says that we'll avoid things that threaten our self-identity. We may avoid risk to protect our successful image or stay in a painful relationship to prove that we're steadfast. Instead of limiting yourself to a certain self-identity, tell yourself that you're still discovering who you are so you stay humble and open-minded. Define yourself in the broadest, simplest way. For example, a friend, a creator, a father so your identity is less likely to be threatened, and you're less likely to feel special and entitled. Learn to ask yourself these three questions. What if I'm wrong? What would it mean if I were wrong? And would being wrong create a better or worse problem for both myself and others? Third, fail forward. Your values and beliefs determine how you approach life. For example, if you seek to be well-liked, you may have a greater fear of failure compared to if you seek to improve your relationships. Go for process-oriented values that allow you to embrace failure. Generally, the longer you've failed at something, the more improvements you'll make and the greater your eventual success or mastery. Pain, such as anxiety, fear, and sadness, is an essential part of psychological growth. At the lowest points in our lives, we're often forced to question why we're failing and to consider how to change and move forward. That's why people who have overcome great suffering and pain tend to feel more grateful, confident, and grounded. Our pain and fears, like the fear of rejection or letting down our loved ones, can make simple questions seem difficult and complex. Remember that all fears and doubts are just assumptions and you won't know if they're true unless you put them to the test. If you're stuck, just start doing something, anything, and you're likely to see new ideas and answers surfacing. 
action actually triggers inspiration and motivation in a self-reinforcing cycle. To overcome the fear of failure, don't define success based on end results. Define success as the act of taking action. Value number four, get comfortable with rejection. Many of us have been conditioned by our consumerist culture to believe that it's better to have more. While it's rewarding to enjoy diverse experiences, it can be equally, if not more, fulfilling to focus on a few key priorities. Commitment frees you from trivialities and allows you to dive deeper into what's most meaningful. For example, deepening a relationship or mastering a craft. Psychologists found that having too many choices can reduce our happiness level because we end up wondering what we missed out on. We also get diminishing satisfaction from excessive indulgence. For example, your 100th house or holiday will be much less exciting than your first few. In order to prioritize something, be it a relationship, career, or value, we must be willing to reject something else. Ultimately, our choices, including what we choose to reject or commit to, will define who we are. Rejection also plays a role in our relationships. To build healthy relationships, it's vital to establish trust and boundaries. This requires both parties to be able to say and hear the word no. In unhealthy relationships, people use one another to escape their own problems, or they try to fix others so they can feel good about themselves. They may expect others to take responsibilities for their problems. For example, a husband asking his wife not to go out with her friends because he feels insecure, or they may take responsibility for others' problems. For example, pretending to agree with a friend so she won't feel rejected. When the goal of your relationship is to make yourself or your partner feel good, it'll result in pretense and manipulation, and things eventually fall apart. Healthy relationships come with strong boundaries. Each party accepts full responsibility for his or her own values and problems, and supports the other party without taking on their problems. For example, a husband may acknowledge his insecurities and ask his wife for support to work through it. Both parties can refuse each other, thrash out their differences, and thus truly understand and accept each other. Any sacrifice made is done unconditionally and without expectations. When trust has been broken, it can only be rebuilt if the trust breaker is willing to identify the underlying values behind the breach of trust and change them to improve future behaviors. Finally, contemplate your mortality. Many ancient philosophers have advocated the practice of contemplating death. It helps us to put our adversities in context and to appreciate life. People who fear death will dare not to live fully, while those who have confronted their mortality will become free to live each day to the fullest. Ponder about your death and ask yourself, how will the world be different when you're gone? What is your legacy? How will you leave the world a better place? If you believe that the universe revolves around you, that you're entitled to greatness, and or need to amass a huge legacy so you won't be forgotten, you'll constantly feel the need to prove yourself 
and be plagued by fears of rejection, failure, and death. However, if you can accept your life as a passing grain in the timeline of the universe and focus on contributing to a wider cause that outlives you, you'll find true happiness. Make peace with death and make each living moment count to discover yourself and live fully with no inhibition or shame. We've just covered the five counterintuitive values to a good life. Take radical responsibility. Embrace uncertainty. Fail forward. Get comfortable with rejection. And contemplate death. Manson's irreverent and colorful writing style offers a refreshing way to explore ideas on spiritual enlightenment, inner peace, and happiness. The book includes many examples from his personal experiences and famous personalities, as well as references to empirical research. If you've enjoyed the ideas in this summary, do get a copy of the book or visit markmanson.net for more details and resources. We hope you've enjoyed this book summary presentation of The Subtle Art of Not Giving a Fuck by Mark Manson. Read by Larry G. Jones. Hi, thanks for listening to Top Audiobooks. Remember to follow our channel here on the platform, and also our social media. We prepare a graphic of the book, with the author's key points and main ideas. Click that book graphic link in description now and have access to an illustrated material with simple and easy steps, so you know everything about the book in minutes.